Hello, hello. Welcome back, Leading Women in Tech. Tony here once again for another guest episode. Today, I have one of my clients to bring to the show. We've been having discussions, this lady and I, for a couple of months now. And she said something to me a couple of weeks ago that just stuck with me. She said to me, I believe one of the biggest problems in leadership is that executives do not listen enough. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I agree. And we're having this backwards and forwards conversation. Um, she's very, very passionate about this topic. I know that she wants to do quite a lot in this area. And I was like, we need to have this conversation on the show. So today's conversation is all about why listening is so essential as an executive skill, the cost of not listening, the different ways we need to listen, the difference between listening and acquiescing, because I think that's a topic that I think many of us struggle with. I certainly know that I acquiesced for a very long time. I thought that was listening. I didn't know any better. They are not one and the same thing. But equally, like putting your foot down isn't necessarily the same thing as listening. You need to know that those two skills are both required. You can't do one or the other. And uh, I really didn't actually talk about people pleasing per se, but I think this really has implications for our people pleasers. For the people pleasers out there, join me. Hello, I'm recovering people pleaser right here. I think this listening is a really important part because I think sometimes when we're cringing inside, the people pleaser comes up, we stop listening. Equally, when we're listening a lot, our people pleaser goes, oh gosh, I can't, I can't say no. And so, you know, it, it can go both ways. And so I think I, I would love for you, with the benefit of hindsight, having recorded this a couple of hours ago, I would love for you to listen to this conversation with that lens of how does the people pleaser in me, if that is you, need to pay attention to listening, but still be okay putting her vote down. So I would just love it if you joined us for this conversation. Let me introduce Jennifer. Jen Gianfredo has been working with me for several months. She is a senior leader in a Fortune 500 company. She is a champion of the data world, boasting a decade of experience in this area, data governance and data policy. And you'll hear from her how she like came to this from, a, from an unusual background. And she's really about bringing together great people, great processes, and tech to create great data output. She has positioned herself as this bridge between stakeholders and the data ecosystem. And honestly, having worked with her for several months, she does this spectacularly. I've just loved my conversations with her in our coaching. I've learned from her. And I really hope that having a conversation with her today is going to allow you to understand more of how we need to be operating as leaders, more about how we need to change the way we view listening and we view taking action as leaders. Let me just give you a background on her, some of her credentials. She's almost as bad as me at collecting education. Uh, she's got a bachelor's in organizational management, a master's in information systems management, and a PhD in psychology. This woman that rocks. And she's passionate about human behavior and organizational dynamics alongside that data governance. So without further ado, let's get Jen onto the show. Welcome to the Leading Women in Tech podcast, the show that celebrates women in technology leadership. I'm your host, Tony Collis, and this podcast is the result of my passion for building better tech by diversifying the leadership of the technology sector. Join me on this journey as I discuss all things leadership, what it takes to be innovative, breaking through the glass ceiling, be a great leader, and how to navigate the unique experiences we face as women in tech. 
So sit back, grab your headphones and get ready to be inspired to become a better leader. Welcome to the show, Jen. It's lovely to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I've been really looking forward to this. It's so nice having you on the show. Uh, You're an inspiring leader. So let's start with that inspiring leadership. Tell us about your career journey, highlights, lowlights, how you came to work as a leader in data governance and policy. Yeah, so I I didn't start out in data, of course. I started out just in general business. Um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. When I went to college, I know that I wanted to do something, right? So that's where I started out. And I got my first job in credit and collections, uh, actually for, uh, you know, various credit unions, various banks. I worked for the Department of Revenue, right? So I did all of those things that people hear about, uh, you know, repossessions and foreclosures. Or that's where that's the space I started in. And when the housing market crashed, it it became a real big uh, issue for me, right? There was a lot going on. Um, I started going into foreclosures uh, and that was something that was just not for mm. me. Uh, so I looked for a B2B job and I landed one. Uh, it was my first leadership role uh, for a manufacturing organization and it created my first opportunity in data. In the old days, I'll say, uh, before data governance was really a thing, finance governed data. I was in finance Mm. uh, because we had to close the books. We had to make sure everything reconciled, all the numbers were right. Uh, And I was selected at that point to do a major project for a large data conversion and bore into data governance. My first position as a governance manager, uh, really exploring what data governance is, what master data management is, starting to get into analytics, and then fast forward, and now I'm here, running a data governance organization alongside of data product organization for a large enterprise platform. That's really cool. So tell us a little bit about your leadership, though, in that journey, because right now you're in charge of a, a fairly significant team in your company. So how did you get into leadership? What about leadership? made you think, I, I want to do more of this. I love this. Because I think the conversations you and I have, you're passionate about great leadership. So tell me a little bit more about that. I am. So when I was in kind of an individual function, right, credit collections, it was a, a line of business specific thing. I didn't really interact with as many people. Uh, when I got my first jobs in data and I started to kind of climb the ladder, I had a large amount of stakeholders. Uh, so not only what was under my leadership area, right, who reported to me straight line, uh, dotted line was beginning to become more and more significant meeting with stakeholders throughout the entire organization that had analytical needs, that had data needs, uh, and working with just all different kinds of people, right? I had great mentors. uh, I had awful (laughs) bosses, right? I I worked with introverts. I worked with extroverts. I experienced, you know, a lot of radical thinkers. Uh, In my life, I experienced a lot of bias, a lot of racism, right? I I got to experience Mm. a lot uh, from a lot of different people. And it's actually what made me go back to school and pursue psychology for my doctorate, because I really started to understand that, yeah, skill is a thing. 
being able to do something mm. uh, is very important, but being able to lead something effectively is even more important. Uh, the culture in the organization, your impact on the people, uh, the success and the growth uh, of every initiative that you touch as a leader, I really started to be able to see that as I moved from company to company and interacted with more and more stakeholders. Mm. So that's really what ignited my passion uh, for coaching, for studying leaders, for becoming uh, what I hope is a great leader, uh, and actually what inspired my dissertation studies. Mm. Well, actually, let's talk about that for a second. Um, It's fascinating that you went back to school to study psychology for your doctorate, particularly because, you know, that relationship between leadership and psychology, and it is, it resonates with me so strongly because I have I don't know if everybody knows this who listens to the show regularly, but my parents were both psychologists when they were working and growing up with two psychologists as parents being <laughs> being a little bit of a, um, a, a the child who was used whenever my dad needed an extra tile for his psychology experiments for his students because he was in a university. Um, I was I was the person brought in for because he's a child psychologist as well as an animal psychologist. You know, you're kind of like, I don't want anything to do with psychology. That's that's how I grew up. I want nothing to do with this field. My parents do. They talk about it. Went full on physics and computing because it's just so different. And then since I've become, you know, the more I've become interested in, first of all, equity, diversity and inclusion, and then latterly the leadership piece and how they interact. And as you now as a coach, I'm like, wow, there was actually something really important there with psychology and I just didn't want to know. And I do wonder whether or not almost we need to be teaching basic psychology at high school as a as a tool for dealing with human beings in life, like not just for us as leaders, but for everybody. Would would you agree with that? Is that something we should just make mandatory? Yeah. So I do agree that there should be some element of psychology that is taught in in high schools. Uh, what I might say though is more importantly, mindfulness. Uh, and self-awareness uh, as part of, you know, a regular curriculum. You know, we're always mm. looking at what other people are doing, what other people are saying. Uh, I think a lot of times we need to really reflect internally and say, as a leader, right, these are huge things as a leader, uh, how am I influencing what is going on around me? Uh, what am I mm. saying that, you know, could potentially be getting me answers that I want instead of answers that I need? going into a conversation and saying, you know, I think that I've come up with a plan that we can all easily agree to. This is prefacing, right? I want everyone to agree with me. Uh, that's in this room. So really mm. being mindful of what it is that we're saying uh, based on what we want to do. I mean, these are strategies that are taught in sales, uh, but they're also things that, mm. you know, we have to be aware of. So really that mindfulness and self-awareness and understanding what your impact is, what Oh, I, I, I'd shoot for that, right, in, in high school um, to help people really understand what am I doing? What is my impact? I really I really love that. I mean, I could spend all day talking about that, but it's actually a nice segue to the topic that um, I really, really want to talk to you about and why after our conversations, I was like, we need it. We need to get you on this show. You and I have spoken over the last couple of months since you started working with me about how leaders need to listen more. And I have some big plans for what this will look like. And I also know this is part of your dissertation for your PhD. Tell us a little bit, tell the audience why listening is such an essential executive skill. Yeah, that was that was an interesting question to me in just saying, you know, why is listening important? Um, it's something we all think we know, 
right? But mm-hmm. what is the actual impact of poor listening? So I did have to Google it uh, and just come up with, hey, what are the five, right? And that was a great example of saying, hey, mm-hmm. I came up with five that I think is, you know, we can all readily agree to, right? So <laughs> building trust and strong relationships, um, helping to resolve conflict, right? As we listen, we understand more, prevents misinterpretation, uh, mm-hmm. It helps identify, right, and anticipate problems. And I think my favorite is that it helps to build more knowledge. So I think that sums everything up, building more knowledge. The more we know, yeah. the better decisions we can make, the better reactions we can have, our conversations are better, um, our confidence increases. So this, to me, the the building more knowledge is the most important reason, especially for leaders who are making big decisions, really mm-hmm. high impact decisions. Uh, we need that knowledge. And we need it from everywhere, from everyone, right? We can get. Mm. Yeah, 100%. Well, let's let's give some examples, some real concrete examples for the audience here. Again, you and I, we've talked about the importance of the stories behind this behavior and how that can really help us as leaders, like, understand. So give an example or a couple of stories, if you will, around where you've seen the negative impact of a leader not really listening to their teams. What happens? Yeah. So I think this would be and will likely be a great area for me to actually create a study, right? Um, mm. Really gather some examples from, from a lot of people. I think there are those some things just turning to the audience, right? How do you know if listening is impacting you? Is If you know, you're a leader, how would you know if you're not listening appropriately, right? What are those concrete examples? And, and then I'll share some of the bigger ones, right, that we, we all know about. Uh, but when you fail to listen or when you are not listened to uh, as an employee, uh, just think of a time when you're sitting in a, a meeting, um, you're getting an email, uh, you're responding to something, and you're thinking in the back of your mind, well, we've been here before, so not sure why we think this would work, right? It failed miserably the last time. You're thinking that, you're not saying that. Mm-hmm. You're saying, you know, hey, it's not worth it. I, I've tried before, right? Don't even go there. Just let it happen, right? Not my monkey, not my circus. Sitting in a room and hearing individuals talk, hearing leaders talk, and just wondering, like, why is no one saying anything? I wonder why no one's mm-hmm. saying anything, right? This is an awful idea. I think these are things that listeners can relate to mm-hmm. themselves. And those are the examples. Those are the real concrete examples of the missed opportunities, because mm. leaders have not listened in the past. Your team has shut down, right? You're not getting the information that you need. A lot of times this can really be costly for an organization. And those are the big examples we could talk about, right? So uh, it's it's kind of easy to think about uh, when leaders are uncovered and you see in the court this big long list of documentation that's been sent up over and over again. That was ignored. Mm. This comes up in the court cases. Some big ones, Theranos, uh, Uber. Yeah. Very poor listening in those specific examples. I'm sure there was a little bit more going on there, um, but it starts with listening. Uh, Mm. Some of the huge, disastrous events that we think of, um, if you look at the history of the Titanic, this was a listening problem with leadership. Mm -hmm. When you look at Chernobyl, this was a listening problem with leadership. So I know very extreme examples, mm. right? Let's start from the small end, but let's go, mm. let's go into the extreme. Um, but that's how important 
uh, listening is for yeah. leaders. I think I think it's really interesting actually to see how bad it can get. But then I think it's really also important for us as individuals because I think every single one of us as leaders could do better at listening. And I say that myself as a leader mm-hmm. and as an executive coach who teaches leadership, who coaches in leadership, I still know that my team could could have more from me than I give them, right? I think it's one of these things I think I haven't yet met somebody who I think listens enough. Um, I'm a talker, so that doesn't help. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think we can all improve. So can you give me some examples, maybe from your career, maybe early on in your career, where not being heard, you saw it, it impacting you, maybe your entire team, and maybe broader than that in the entire organization. So that we can really, as leaders, get empathetic about what our failure to listen, which might we, we're likely not even realizing we're doing, is having an impact on those people that we lead and manage. I do have an example of from a friend that I think is actually far more impactful than than some of the the personal ones um, that I can think of most recently, uh, and it really costs the organization a lot of money, a lot of time, mm-hmm. and likely they're still dealing with uh, the impact from not listening today. Uh, so the the setting is really a manufacturing organization. Um, looking at, you know, running plants to failure. Uh, mm-hmm. The executive of the plant uh, decided that he was going to purchase a Italian piece of equipment. He was advised by numerous of his maintenance uh, leadership that this was not the best decision. Uh, the maintenance mm-hmm. would be costly, right? Parts are not readily available. And he went ahead with it anyway. And this is exactly what happened. He brought the machine in. This was an Italian Ferrari in a plant created to run to failure. So inventory and parts were required regularly to maintain Mm. this machine. And this line was a total disaster. Things needed to come overseas. The shipping was more expensive. Um, You could not use generic parts, pieces, right? If you have a Ferrari and you're listening to this podcast, you know that, right? You cannot put a generic piece on a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this mm. is what happened at this plant. So it, it's a great example. Um, I'm sure if that machine is there, they're still dealing with it today, uh, but it was poor listening. And mm. a decision that an executive made uh, dismissive of what you know his experts were advising him. Let me just interrupt you for a moment. If you love this show, I have two favors to ask of you. First up, would you hit subscribe and like in your favorite podcast player or on YouTube if you're watching this on YouTube? The more likes and subscribes we get, the further this message goes and the bigger the guests that we can get on the show as well. So please do that if you find these conversations useful. If you're enjoying the content, please let us know. The second thing, if you know a woman in tech out there or indeed a leader in tech out there, they don't have to be female, who you think would benefit from some of these conversations, please share this episode with them. The further we can get these conversations, the more impact we can have on the world of tech, the better the leadership is going to be. And you know what? The better the tech for the human race. So please do your little bit. If you find this useful, share it with somebody that you think needs to know. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the interview. I mean, I I hear stories like this almost on a, a weekly basis. I want to say daily, not quite daily, but a weekly basis from women I work with. Um, one that really comes to mind is a company a couple of years ago who 
fail to listen to one of my clients who was saying, like, if we do this, we will break the law. They broke the law. They were able to backtrack mm. and get themselves out of a really sticky situation, but just a failure to listen to your expert in the room. And I know you and I have talked about the classic situation when we were like talking about this in terms of how Im- important it is, is, and we've, I, well, I've certainly experienced this one when you, when you mentioned it, I think it was from your dissertation. It just made me chuckle because I've certainly experienced it. A boss going golfing and coming back and saying, we're buying this or a boss going to a conference, coming back and saying, we're buying this. And the team's like, that's not fit for purpose. It doesn't even solve the problem. In fact, that problem doesn't even exist in our company. And it's not just expensive, it's demoralizing to the team. Um, making these decisions without really bringing your team along with you is is really, really key. And I think that brings me to the next question. And actually, this is something that came up with my team just in the last couple of weeks. I had to put my foot down with my team recently. We're changing our, we're changing some of the stuff we do in terms of marketing. My team really wanted to continue doing something. And I've been playing this out for three months. And I was just like, I'm not seeing results here. And I said, like, what is it that you think we should be seeing? And they're like, well, we need to go all in on this. I'm like, I'm not seeing anything. Why would I take resources from something that's working over to here? I didn't have more resources to throw at it. So we'd have to take it over. And they just weren't hearing me. And so I had to put my foot down. And afterwards, I was really second guessing myself. I was like, was that a failure on me to listen? Or is it a failure on me to direct them better early on? Like, why did we have that misalignment? And I think that is one of the things if you're listening to this, and Jen, I'd love your input on this. If you're listening to this and thinking, when do we not acquiesce to our team? Because I think many of us struggle with acquiescing, with not you know making that firm decision as well. So you and I are talking about you need to listen more, but equally at the same time, there's that other extreme where you need to put your foot down from time to time and say, no, no, team, I hear you. However, we still need to do this. Where's the balance in your mind, Jen? I think that's a really difficult question um, and one that I will say a little taboo, right? That I would answer with data. So for me, when you're going back and forth and you're saying, I'm hearing things, but I'm still not understanding what I'm missing. That's where data comes in, in my opinion. Mm. And where we have to start to step back and say, right, here's what I see. Here's what the data is telling me. So this is why I'm making this particular decision. Now, mm-hmm. if the team can not come back and, and say, well, here's why, right? Give you a real good reason that you can grab onto and say, okay, I agree with you, right? I do. I see what you see. That's when I think we put our foot down, right? So yeah. all things and then data <laughs> uh, do yeah. need to be taken into, into consideration, But then there's also, right, especially with your situation, right, we'll find out uh, in a few months time. Uh, So there's Mm -hmm. also that alternative of, hey, I'm going to put my foot down, but I'm also going to listen and say, let's give it 90 days. Yeah. So let's revisit this. Let's do a retrospective, because if there's something I missed, I still want to capture all and be cognizant Mm -hmm. of that. So data uh, and trial and error, right, especially in technology, fail fast, fail often. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes. move on, right? When something is not working. I love that. I, I think that really speaks to us being comfortable with changing our minds about things. I think so much of the time, the coaching I do, it's about helping somebody make a decision because they're fearful. This tends to be about personal stuff, like a career change or 
making a decision about how they're going to move forward. And they're, they're struggling to make a decision because they want more data. And then a lot of the time I'm like, make a decision and then get data because you've made a decision mm-hmm. and you can always backtrack if needed. But while you sit here in this space of not making a decision, you're actually causing more harm. Um, your team doesn't know what to focus on. You're, everything is just in limbo. You've got too much ambiguity going on. So I love how this all comes together, this listening piece, really hearing your team, as well as it's okay to pivot as long as you're aware that that is a risk. We don't want to pivot all the time because that's also unhealthy, but you say, look, hey, we're going to give this a go. If we need to pivot later, we can. And just flagging that up. I, I really, really love that. So let's talk a bit about the phrase, listen up. Now, this is something you, you are very passionate about. What does listen up mean to you? I think it's a great segue with just the conversation that we just had, because when mm. I think of listening, when I think of listen up, um, I think of much more than just, hey, I hear something with my ears and I interpret that with my brain, Mm -hmm. right? It's not just a people thing. Uh, Listening up involves listening to yourself, right? What am I hearing? What am I not hearing? Listening Mm. to data. What do I see? Yes. What can I observe from that? Listening to people, right? What are they saying? What is the information that they're trying to pass? So I think all of these things can be placed under that listen up umbrella, right? Um, some questions, right, as I'm being mindful, what am I trying to think about here? Um, have I heard something from everyone that's required, mm. right? How have I influenced the conversation? So the example that we talked about earlier, when I come into a conversation and I say, I think I've come up with a solution that we can all agree upon. Mm. I'm influencing. And then really looking at, am I hearing what I want or what I need? Is everyone agreeing with me in the room, Mm. especially as a leader? I think that's something that we need to be cognizant of. So listen up to me. I think it's a great phrase. I think it encompasses all of those pieces of listening, not just what we traditionally think about with our ears and then that interpretation of what we think we heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Okay, I really love, I mean, I could talk about this topic all day, but I would really love it if you could provide the audience with a couple of key things you wish they would be doing differently. If this topic is resonating and you're like, oh, I've experienced this or, oh, maybe that's me. And as I said, I think we all do this. We all fail to listen at times when it's we're tired or, you know, we're just not on the ball or whatever it is. Some of us more than others. What would, what would be your top tips for really learning to listen up better? So, of course, you know, there's, there's the very common and clear one that we're not listening to respond, right? We're listening mm-hmm. to understand. I have had it explained to me and, and a tip that I've actually used at times uh, in my own situation where I find myself, you know, I'm either checking out, I'm tired, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is to pretend like you're watching a movie. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen in that movie, right? You're really trying to understand what's the plot? Who are the characters? How is this playing out? And as you're, you know, interacting with your team, as you're interacting with other leaders, to remove all that bias, to remove the assumptions, watch a movie and let it play out. And that for me has really piqued my interest more and said, Mm. oh, okay, you know, what's about to happen? in this show, mm. right? Uh, to kind of bring me back on track. So that's one of my my top tips uh, when you find that, hey, I'm really struggling 
right now to listen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also as you're listening and I'm like you, I'm a talker. So write things down. It's very, Mm -hmm. very simple. Write them down and allow the other person to, to finish their thoughts. And then you can come in uh, with what you've written down on that page. I I love that. I really, really love that because I do think, I mean, that's something I had to learn myself because I think a lot of the time we interrupt because we've got this idea and we're afraid to lose it or afraid it's going to become less relevant. One, it's not going to be less relevant. You might have to circle everybody back to the point, but it's still, if it was important, then it's still going to be important. But secondly, if you write it down, it's on you to bring it up. If you're saying, oh, if I don't say it, I'm going to forget it you're doing a disservice to everybody else in the room. Mm -hmm. So I I love that. I love that so much. Well, I do think we could talk about this all day, but we do have to move on to the quick fire round. You ready for this? Sure. Let's do it. What is the worst piece of advice you've ever been given? YOLO. (laughs) You only live once. (laughs) Uh, Live like today is your last day. Uh, it's, It's fun, not real functional. So certainly- Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, I can see pros and cons to that one. But Mm -hmm. I definitely think if you only live for this moment, we wouldn't do anything hard or uncomfortable or, yeah, there's so much, right? And we would just totally burn the planet down. Oh, wait, we're doing that already. God, that I got into politics there. Don't do that on this show. (laughs) I can't help myself. I actually think some some things need to be said, right? (laughs) You are are making some rash decisions, potentially. Um, If it was Mm -hmm. truly your last day to live, Things would be very different. So I love the spirit of YOLO, Mm -hmm. uh, but I do think it is terrible advice. Terrible advice. What is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? My dad told me that it takes five bad boys for one oh shit. Uh, And I think that that has probably been the best advice I've ever received uh, to really bank up those bad boys. (laughs) interesting I, yes. I love that because it gives you permission as well like to just it does. have that oh shit moment as well because life is full of ups and downs i love that go dad hey <laughs> <laughs> um what is the last book you read and would you recommend it so the last books i read were the throne of glass series i would definitely recommend them i think it's probably one of the best series i've read uh, but I am a major fantasy and sci-fi reader. And so if that is your thing, Throne of Glass is where what you need to be reading. Oh, well, I definitely put a recommendation to that in the show notes. And I am such a fan of sci-fi in particular, fantasy as well, but definitely sci-fi. And I'm always looking for a new author, so that's going in. I would love to wrap this conversation up with your favorite mindset tip to help executives elevate their leadership, perhaps in the context of listening up. What is your favorite mindset tip? So my favorite mindset tip, I think, is really what I shared before. It's in that growth mindset, um, really being resourceful as a leader. And it's watching that movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's incredibly effective technique uh, to step back, to remove bias, to stop being Mm -hmm. reactive and just watch the movie unfold, gather the knowledge, and then you can guess what's going to happen next. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm going to throw you a curveball question now that I didn't warn you I was going to ask. What is your experience of working with me as your coach? And would you recommend it to other people? No pressure. (laughs) So you and I met through LinkedIn. I I think Mm -hmm. I 
sent you a message. I, I don't remember exactly how things started, but what I realized right away was that you were very direct. And <laughs> when I asked a question, there mm-hmm. was no, well, you know, that's okay. And, and Hey, good for you. Right. You said, why aren't you doing that? Why mm. aren't you doing this? Right. And it was exactly what I needed. And even before we started working together formally, just in our couple of chats, I remember, I, I think I received a significant increase of pay um, at an organization just in our initial chats. And that was because of you being direct with me. Um, so yes, I would highly recommend it. It's what I needed. Uh, it is already, you know, got me uh, several um, positive impactful things uh, in my life. So I would recommend it. It's been fantastic, but you are very direct. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I take that as a compliment. I think most of my clients know I'm direct. I lovingly call people out, but it's with love, but it is direct. So I love hearing that actually. Um, it's one of the things I think is important about a relationship with a coach is your coach doesn't BS you. Your coach gets to the point. Right. Thank you so much for this conversation, Jen. How can people connect with you to find out more about you? Maybe reach out on LinkedIn, tell us where people can find you. Yeah, definitely on LinkedIn. So reach out on my profile. I would love to talk with any of the audience. Wonderful. Something I'm very passionate about. Wonderful. I will make sure a link to Jen's profile is in the show notes if you're listening. Jen, any final thoughts you want to leave the audience with today? Listen up. (laughs) I love that. Like short, sweet, to the (laughs) point. Perfect. Listen up, everybody. Well, thank you, Jen. Thank you, listeners. Remember, if you like this conversation, please hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player or on YouTube and send us some notes about how you're enjoying these interviews. If you have a particular person you'd like us to interview or a particular topic you would like me to dive into, more than happy to hear from you. But remember, until next time, stay on your leadership game, follow your dreams because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech.